Welcome back to the podcast. We are so glad that you're here with us. Today, Carly, Cam, and I are going to just living with chronic illness and being mothers. You guys sent in some questions. So me and Maddie right now, we're just going to answer those. And later on, Cam's going to share her story and her struggles with what she's been through with motherhood. Okay. Do illness might be a sign not to have children. I wonder how I will ever be able to be a mother. How would you answer that? I would say, uh, would you tell someone with depression or diabetes that they shouldn't have kids? Um, I think one of the worst things that you can do uh, to a, chronic, a person with chronic illness is to make them have to prove that they're worthy of having kids. Um, I don't think that it's a sign that you should not have kids at all. If your doctor has told you that it's a danger to your own health or to or that it's going to kill you, that's one thing. Or if you can't financially support a kid, that's another thing. But if it's just because of the fact that you have a chronic illness, um, I think it would be very sad if you just throw in the towel on something as important as being a parent. Um, if that's what you have always wanted to do. I personally, I was diagnosed when I became pregnant with my second daughter. And um, I think that I get a lot of flack for that. Um, but there's, judgment is really harmful in general with motherhood. Um, but when you throw in chronic illness and it almost gets to the point where people are, feel like they can look in on the situation without knowing the reality of your life and tell you whether or not you are quote unquote healthy enough to create a family. And I think it comes down to personal choice. I think whether or not you have kids or grow your fam family in other ways, it's the individual's choice. And I don't think that anyone else has the right to take that choice away. Unless, exactly. yeah. I think that's so true. Like you said, why would you tell someone who had mental illness or whatever that they should or shouldn't? That's not anyone's choice to make, but you and your partner or yourself or whoever's involved in raising those children. I personally was kind of sick before getting pregnant but no one knew it was wrong and I trusted my instincts I got married at 19 people thought I was crazy and we got pregnant like that weekend after we got married and for like going in I was like hey Kevin I feel like it's now or never like yeah. I just felt like I I always wanted to be a mom right like from the time for as long as I can remember and I just trusted my own instincts and went with it. And I feel like it was the best decision I ever made personally. But like you said, that's a personal choice. And I don't think anyone can really answer that for you, for anyone struggling. Right. So I, and I like your chronic illness too is like on such a wide spectrum. I mean, the severity of your illness really differs person to person. So 
like I said, you don't know what's going on in their personal life. You don't know how they live moment to moment. Um, and if they choose to have kids, that person is going to be raising those kids. I mean, raising kids is one of the most selfless things that you can do. Like changing diapers, feeding a baby, getting them dressed, taking them on walks. When you're a mom, you do everything for your kids, but whether you whether or not you want to. I, there are nights where I don't think that I can even get up the next morning out of bed and I struggle to get out of bed and it's like I'm blacking out a little bit because my POTS is not super controlled right now and I just want to sleep but it's 7 a.m and my kids wake up at 7 a.m so I'm going to be up at 7 a.m. People ask sometimes like okay so you have chronic illness you have mast cell how do you have kids <clears throat> how are you able to have kids I say or how are you able to take care of your kids? And I would just say, um, like any other mom would. Exactly. We're still moms and and maybe not everyone with illness could handle it, but I don't know exactly. How did they take care of their kids? We, we wake up and it's not easy and it's sometimes so hard, but that's for any mom. And yeah. I don't know, we figure it out just like they do. And again, why is there judgment? Like your kids are well taken care of. My kids are as best as any mom can take care of any kid. So I love that you said, don't judge anyone. Like when people judge you for having your second, that's none of their business. And look at your beautiful girls. Like, could you imagine not having them? That is- Absolutely no. not. No. I never exactly. looked back. I never looked back. I would never have done anything. And it makes me really sad when people ask, like, or say, I don't think I'll ever be able to have kids. Um, I'm worried I'll never be able to have kids. And I think there's a lot of information out there that's, uh, that scares a lot of people. And when you're having so, such a difficult time taking care of yourself, it can be difficult to imagine what it would be like to take care of someone else too. And I was definitely scared when I was pregnant, definitely scared of how I was going to manage it. But somehow you just do, like you do everything that a mom would do for your kids. It's just 10 times, maybe a hundred times harder, but you do what you have to do to keep your kids alive and healthy. Exactly. So just to wrap up that question, I think, again, that's just your personal choice. You have to dig deep and figure out if you think you can, and if you think that's either biologically or adoption or fostering or whatever way that may be. But again, if you choose that you don't think you're able to have kids, that's a personal choice. I am forever grateful I had my kids, but I know it's not that easy for everyone. So I think you should just, you just have to listen to your own instincts and really think about what you want. Don't let it deter you though, because of other people's judgment of you, if that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So the next question is, how do you communicate your needs and illness to your kids or do you not? So I'll start, I'll kind of answer that first. My kids are a little bit older now. They are eight and six. So it used to be easier to hide it from them. They didn't really catch on. And luckily when they were younger, I was less sick. Like 2021, I've definitely been the most sick I've ever been. And they're old enough and they realize. So I can't just like pretend it doesn't exist my therapist too is like they're not stupid they can see it you can pretend you're all okay all you want but they know you're not but that doesn't mean you can't reassure them that you will be okay so I'm honestly quite 
open about it with my kids. I keep the communication open. Like we'll have family meetings and I'll be like, you know, mommy's really sick today and I don't feel good. And I always say to them, I don't expect you to be perfect, but like, I don't feel good today. So can you just try your best to get along? That's all I ask of you. Like I'm open with the fact that I don't feel good and they'll be like, okay, mom, they're really receptive to that. Or sometimes now the fact that I have seizures, it's pretty scary for all of us. And I've said to them, you know what? It's scary for mommy too. And if you're scared, that's okay. But we'll make a plan together and, and I'll, it's scary, but now I'm on new medicine and it will be okay. So I'm quite honest with my kids in an age appropriate way. When they were younger, I did hide it more. I was easier. Like I'd go upstairs and puke and then continue on or whatever. And it's sad, but my kids, they don't think remember me as ever not being sick, but they also are so compassionate and loving and caring because of it. And because of how hard they see me try every day. And honestly, when it's points where it's too hard and I'm lucky again, that I have family. Sometimes I know they're just better off going with grandma and grandpa so I can have a day to do nothing. So that's kind of how I handle that. I know you have younger kids, so I'd love to hear your answer to that. Yeah. Um... I don't feel as if I'm hiding it from my kids, um, but I do feel um, like they they really don't comprehend my sickness at all. They're they're young. They're two, almost three, and almost one year old. So they're too young to know that I'm sick. Um, but even when I cry, like if I do cry, Nora will um, bring me her stuffed Elmo. Or she'll like give me kisses and they and when I cry they tend to cry too they so they're very empathetic and they're very smart um so I think sometimes I don't give my kids enough credit uh they probably know and see more than I think they do yeah um they're uh I think that it's my my biggest struggle right now with one-year-old and a three-year-old um is the how physically demanding it is my okay I'm gonna ask this question because it ties into that it says what do you do on like your symptomatic times how do you handle that as a mom when your symptoms are out of control okay so when my symptoms are out of control I enlist my village I think everybody needs to have their own village if that's made up of friends, family, people you meet in a support group, um, like anyone, your therapist, anyone who can support you, uh, specifically like people who are willing to watch your kids if you simply cannot watch your kids. Um, I just, I tend to power through most of my days, um, but there are times where my legs will go numb and I can't walk or my pots is so bad, I literally can't stand up. I can't carry my daughter. So my one-year-old is like 20 pounds and my three-year-old is like, you know, 30 pounds and the stroller weighs 60 pounds. So it's physically demanding. And I find that I do have a few tips that help me. Um, I carefully spread my energy across all aspects of my life and I make sure that I spread my energy throughout the day. Um, I'm not gonna go 
back to back to back to back to back, getting things done all morning, because then I'm going to have nothing left for the afternoon. So I make sure to do that. I also prepare everything ahead of time. I prepare the bottles in the morning for when they need their bottles. So if they're screaming their head off or we're in the car and I need to grab a bottle real quick, there's less work I have to do. Uh, I prepare the diaper bag, I prepare their lunches. Like I said, I enlist support. I really do. I've gotten to a point where I, I still I still feel guilty when people watch my kids for me. I do still feel a little guilty. I'm working on that, but I've gotten to the point where I, I do allow people to watch my kids for me because I have accepted the fact that I need help. And that took me so long to do. I am very independent. I am the type of mom that, you know, I stay home with my kids. Uh, stay, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I want to be with my kids every single second of the day. I want to know what they're doing. I want to know who's influencing them. And it's not that I'm controlling. It's just that I don't, I guess it goes back to feeling like a burden a little bit, feeling like I'm passing my kids off to someone who doesn't really want to watch them. But then I have to remind myself, these people choose to be part of my support system. They choose volunteer to watch my kids. So I have to, I have to, I just have to accept the help when I need it. Yeah. And that is so hard. That was so um, hard for me too. It took me way too long to even get to that point. It took me yeah. way too many years, but I got to a point of like, so desperately sick that I'm like, Kate, hey, my kids are like, we, so a few, two years ago, we lived two hours from all our family and friends. And I got to a point where I was so sick that I remember one night Kevin worked out of town and I like laid on the floor. I, I couldn't get up. I couldn't see. I was puking all over the floor and I knew I needed an ambulance. So I called one. Somehow I, we were in a town, we didn't have many people, but I still, you find your support because you need it. When you're yeah. And yeah. a mom from my kid's school came, picked my kids up. Thank God. Cause that was terrifying. And it took that moment for me to realize, okay, I need to move back to where I have support because and I felt so guilty. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to take my kids out of school. They got to start a new school. I felt so bad and so much guilt and like such a burden. But when I really thought about it, I'm like, they are better off in the long run. And this oh, was yeah. the best decision we ever made. And it's not a, even if I feel guilty, it was something I just had to accept because I'm like, yeah. my kid's safety is number one priority always. And now my kids go to their cousins and they're, have so much fun and they don't know they're way better off doing that so now I don't feel guilty I look at it as like wow they're would should they stay home and watch me be sick like we do power through a lot or I'd much rather them look back and be like oh last week was so fun we went and did this with grandma and grandpa and did this and with whoever so I agree with that like accepting help but I know it's not easy to do that it's, it's very difficult. And I think that um, guilt is your enemy. Like whenever I start to feel very guilty, I have to catch myself and literally take it back and say, okay, I'm feeling guilt. What is this emotion trying to teach me? Where did this emotion even come from? Because the emotions come from thoughts. So I'm like, okay, what was I thinking? And then I have to go back and change my thought. And it's usually that like, I'm not a good enough mom to watch my kids all the time. 
Okay, first of all, who is a good enough mom to watch their kids all the time? I was just gonna say that any mom. Mom guilt is the <laughs> hardest thing and every mom I know, sick or not, has it. But that, yeah. exactly, who can watch their kids all the time? And if you can, all the power to you, but eventually it's gonna catch up to every mom. Oh yeah. And um, saying, also another thing is saying no when I need to. I say no a lot. To, and not because I'm, you know, stubborn or obstinate, obtuse. It's that, um, like I said, I have to spread my energy. There's a thin, thin amount of energy I have to spread, guys. <laughs> Our energy is the same. Like, yeah. When you have hardly any, like a droplet, you have to make <laughs> it last as long as you can. Yeah. And caffeine is my friend as well. That's true. Okay, I'm trying to see if there's any other questions here. I think there was some more. Was your partner ever against you having kids due to concerns about your health? Never, no. I think that Zach knew, well, first of all, our, our um, first pregnancy was unplanned. Okay. So that was a little different. Our second pregnancy was planned and um he and after going through the first pregnancy which I'll talk about in the later podcast um it was horrific pregnancy and after that he did he actually you're I would say the answer has to be yes actually because he was very hesitant to have another child after going through all of that and the NICU um so he was hesitant but he wasn't he was worried about my health too, but he was also worried about the baby's health. Um, but my husband knows how important being a mom is to me. You know, when they people ask you like, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I was, mine was always, I wanna be a mom. Like I always yeah. wanted to have a lot of kids. I wanted to have a big family. If I weren't yeah. sick, I'd probably have like nine kids. Yeah. Like I really wanted a huge family. Um, Cause I grew up with one of five. So yeah, I was one of four. So four was like my number. I was like, I'm going to have four kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five was kind of always my number, but I also am not just going to be making decisions out of emotion. Like at this point with how sick I am right now, I can use my wisdom to know that it would not be smart to get pregnant right now. Mm -hmm. um, however, uh, my health does uh, kind of go up and down a lot um but yeah I mean being a mom takes so much out of you I think I don't know what would you add to that I think again it goes back to that's a really personal decision between you and your partner for me Kevin was really on board with having we have our two boys and then I was misdiagnosed with endometriosis that's a whole other story but I was led to believe I needed a hysterectomy to be cured I was 25 at the time I had my two kids and I really wavered back and forth on I wanted a third and honestly we ended up trying for a third we got pregnant we lost the baby that's another story but I just again at that point we just knew we we're like okay my body's done I can't handle more and we made that decision together mutually 
So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. You again, you have to trust your own instincts, trust your body, and be honest and open with your partner about it because it is scary. Being a mom or dad or parent is hard at the best of times. So add in, yeah, illness, it's 10 times harder, but no one can answer that for you. I wish it was that easy, but like for me and Maddie personally, it worked out and I would, my kids are my reason that I'm here. And I, that reason I still am fighting every damn day. So I think yeah. that answers all the questions we got. If I missed one, I'm sorry. Cam, we're going to now add Cam's story to the mix. It's, she's amazing. Like I look up to her in so many ways. It is quite heartbreaking. And, but she, I'll just like, let add her story to it. And I hope you, it just gives you some insight because we're not all on the same page. The three of us have similar issues, but me and Maddie have family support, whereas Cam didn't, and her story ended a little bit differently than ours. So I hope you guys learn something from this. Like, reach out to us as always. I hope you enjoy. And I, yeah, please let us know what you think of this. And Cam, we love you. And thank you for being vulnerable and open and sharing your story with us as well. Yeah. And thank you too, Carly, for sharing your story. And um, thank you. Thanks to everybody listening. Um, we're going to be posting some more stories on Instagram to ask to answer some more questions that you guys have on pregnancy uh, for our next podcast. So make sure that you tune in on Instagram um, to be part of the dialogue. Thanks, guys. I remember the day that I got pregnant with Annie. I had been trying to leave an abusive relationship for years and I was absolutely devastated. Keep in mind, I didn't have any of the diagnoses that I have today. To be honest, I wanted to have an abortion because I knew if I had a child, I would be tied to my abuser for life but I simply could not follow through with it. Annie's pregnancy was very difficult on my body. I'm pretty sure it was then that I developed POTS or at least more severe POTS. I had something called hyperemesis gravidium, which is excessive vomiting during pregnancy and I had a UTI for 20 weeks. But in the end, it was all worth it. She started crying before she entered the world. And that's very unusual when you have a C-section or a vaginal birth, to be honest. I loved her from the moment that I laid eyes on her she looked exactly and still does like my dad who passed away when I was 15. She gave me reason to fight for my life and to protect hers. And in the end, she is the reason 
why I was able to get out of that relationship and while we're both and why we are both still alive today. Annie taught me the true definition of unconditional love. I ended up getting sick right before her second birthday. And so all the memories that she has of me are when I was sick. I have been a single mom and I have been a mom while in a couple of relationships since having her, but nothing where I wasn't doing a lot of it on my own. I never knew how hard it was going to be to be a single mother with a chronic illness. I never knew the guilt that I would feel that I couldn't provide her with the life that she deserved. When I had to stop working, I lived in poverty and I didn't get child support and I lived off my savings and my retirement. I was always terrified, but I tried not to let her know that. Sometimes she would see me crying and she would take my hand or rub my head and tell me that everything was gonna be okay. She truly was and is the most empathetic child. Every time I had a major hospitalization or emergency, I would plead to the ER doctors to not let me die because I was all that she had and I knew firsthand how detrimental it was to a child and an adult to lose their parents at a young age because I had lost both of mine by the time I was 15. So I kept fighting for her, but in the end, it just wasn't feasible for me to have to live with her anymore. And I guess that sounds wrong because it's not at all that I didn't want to live with her. It's that my body was gonna give out. I was dying because I was a single parent and I am sick. I spent months knowing that eventually I was gonna have to surrender my daughter to the care of somebody that I didn't know so that she could be transferred to another state to live with a sister that I have a very strained relationship with. And I remember just constantly apologizing to her and sneaking in her room at night and holding her and smelling her hair and crying. But I also remember the times when she was terrified seeing me at the hospital 
I remember the time that I almost died during a surgery and I had to say my goodbyes to her. I remember the days that she asked me repeatedly if I was going to die. And that's the hardest thing for me. Currently, knowing that she had to carry that fear with her every day. In the end, a decision was made that it was best in the both in, it was best in both my physical health and in Annie's mental health for her for her to no longer live with me. It took a team of therapists, school, administration, and my doctors to make the decision. I have overcome a lot in my life and people have always called me the strongest person that they have ever met. But giving up my child is simply the hardest thing that I've ever done. Also knowing that she has a 50% chance of inheriting my illnesses is incredibly heartbreaking, especially because she is already exhibiting symptoms of them. Annie also has PTSD from all that she saw in the past three and a half years. And while I know that where she is is much better for her in the long run, it doesn't make it any easier for her or I to be apart. For five years, it was her and I against the world. I have been estranged from my family for years. And it's always been something that's really upsetting to me. But I'm the black sheep of my family because I am an empath and they're full of narcissists. And she used to say to me, Mom, everything's going to be okay because you and I have each other. And we don't anymore. I get to see my kid once a week on a video call. And sometimes I'll get to see her more often if she needs me. But not being able to touch your own child is one of the most painful things. And knowing that your body failed you and robbed you of motherhood. If I had to go back and I had the diagnoses that I have now, I personally would have made a decision never to biologically have children. Pregnancy worsens conditions like POTS, gastroparesis, and EDS. Our bodies simply do not bounce back due to the stretchy collagen. I don't regret for a second that I brought this wonderful child on this earth. But I wish I had known so much more when I did get pregnant. 
I want people to know that there are ways to still be a mom and to not have biological children. Though, if you yourself want to have a biological child with while being chronically ill, that is definitely your choice. If I had to go back in time, I probably would have done fostering or foster to adopt because when my body got too sick to handle it, I could have stopped being a parent. I don't really know what else to say about this topic because it's a really, really hard one for me. It's only been since February that we've been apart and I'm still not okay. Losing a child that is still alive for me has been harder than losing somebody to death. You have the constant reminder that they're there, but you can't be there or near them. You can't watch them grow up. You can't guide them to be who they're going to become. You feel absolutely helpless and at the mercy of your own body. I didn't really expect to get emotional during this recording, even though I've spent the past two days crying over her. But the one thing that I will say is chronic illness taught my child to be resilient and empathetic and compassionate. And I don't have a lot to live for these days. But every week when I get to see that smile on the video call and I get to hear her voice and she blows me a kiss, it makes my entire day. So for now, I will just daydream about the past and the memories that we shared, which is exactly what she tells me she does. And I really honestly don't think that my heart will not be broken, but sometimes as parents, we have to break our own hearts to protect our children And in this case, I had to protect her from myself. No child deserves to fear that their parent is going to die every day. No child deserves to develop PTSD at such a young age because their parent is sick. No child deserves to miss out on their childhood. And I think... I could keep on rambling, but I'm just going to leave it at that.